0: Animal Welcome back. It's Haruka again. And today I wanted to talk to you about frugal financials. So I wanted to go over five easy things to cut back on today. And of course, this is the part of the Frugal Financial series. I'm just looking at several items or types of items rather so that it's more versatilely applicable that I think you and I both can think about not investing and therefore being frugal, keeping your space minimal, being sustainable, and just doing overall good in our own lives. So the first thing is habitual expenses. I think that this is talked about a lot. This includes anything from subscriptions to the frequent Starbucks run. I have a Starbucks nearby me, which is about a 10 minute walk away, but because it's in an inconvenient location, as in it's somewhere I would never walk to in the dark, etc. However, on the other side, in the direction where everything else is, there is a Dunkin', unfortunately. The good news is, Dunkin's coffee sucks. If you want to argue with me, hop onto my Instagram at minimalmovesbyh and let me know how fantastic Duncan is. But Coffee-wise, I think they are horrendous. There is a reason why Dunkin' coffees are always sweet, you know. Do people drink straight-up Dunkin' black coffee? I don't know. And so I had this perception that Dunkin' coffee is, like, half the price of Starbucks, but if you actually think about it, that's not true. They do serve in bigger quantities, but I don't need that much coffee, or my heart, rather, probably does not want that much coffee in my system, so... Either way, I have many sources of temptations as you can tell. There are also local options near me that I could walk to if I wanted to. It takes a lot of self-control to stop myself from getting the cup of coffee daily or a latte or a tea or a little snack. And these little cafes have pretty nice pastry items, I'd have to say, but I remind myself that. This $2 a day could turn into $14 a week, could turn into, actually, at one of the cafes, a black coffee, a small black coffee, is three twenty, which I'm sure compared to the New York coffee prices might be pretty reasonable, but goodness, where I live, this is not, not reasonable at all, and that can turn into, so then that's $21 in coffee a little more per week, which in four weeks is going to turn into $84, and in 12 months, I can't do that math that fast, but Let's see if I can. So that's approximately, that's around $1,000. Wait, is it? Or $100? No, $1,000. That's a lot of money. And I would much rather save those $1,000 and get a house at a better location or invest in books, invest in online learning, find a way to, you know, outsource a service so I can get more sleep, whatever it is. There are so many other ways I would rather invest that cost or just save up for the future for retirement. And I'm starting to get into personal finance, so these topics are very exciting for me. But habitual expenses is definitely one that people talk about a lot, and something that you can cut down on. Another thing is subscriptions, which is the more dangerous habitual expense, because at least for the coffee purchases, I'm aware that I'm going to the shop and paying. I know that people say electronic money can feel less real in some way, and therefore might be easier to spend but I find the opposite because the record is everywhere I get a text I get an email and then I have to enter it I enter all my bills um, or any payment in my finance spreadsheet so it's everywhere in my mind it's so much more well dangerous when something is paid by cash first of all because it's harder to track every single payment and also subscriptions, which is just kind of behind the scenes. Yeah, I see it on my statement, but other than that, I didn't really track it. I mean, you have the monthly payment. Also, I do have to know my subscriptions are either big ticket necessities like rent, I kind of consider that a subscription, or my phone, which is also a necessity for me. But also, so my phone bills, which is like data, also. My subscriptions are small tier items, which are my iCloud subscription, which is fairly new for me, and also my Spotify subscription. Those are fairly small. Those amount to about a cup of a latte, maybe. It's around, it's $4 total for those both. So it may not be a lot, but in the full year, that adds up to $48, which means approximately $50. So, you know, in two years, that's $100. You can do the math. So for these subscriptions, I continuously want to evaluate if they're really adding value to my life. Right now, the answer is yes. But if that ever changes, I want to make sure that these are really valuable things. Obviously, can't go without rent or my phone plan, so those are necessities for me. Moving on, the next category of things to cut back on today is wannabe hobbies. This is something that is fairly easy for me to avoid, but I've also been tempted, and let me explain a couple of funny things. So first of all, you know that I love this podcast, and my other one, which is in- International in the U.S. with Henry and Haruka, and that over there we talk about international experiences in the U.S. So, because I have two podcasts, I figured Getting a mic must be a good investment. Actually, it was a gift, but I asked for it, which was very kind of the person who gave it to me to to allow because that's one of the sort of gift arena tenants for minimal minimalists, which is super helpful if the person who is gift giving to you is willing to pick up something that you already need anyway. That said, I actually discovered that my MacBook mic is. Better quality sometimes depending on what you're looking for, but it's better quality than my mic. I actually kind of don't need this mic. There are certain things that it definitely does better, but there's some weird background sound that it incorporates. So it's it's a good investment in as in I use it so frequently, but I'm rethinking. Did I really need it? Other wannabe hobbies that I have had. So this I'm turning. I'm determined to turn into a real hobby, but I. I enjoy working out in very specific settings, so I took a spin class last semester with my university, which was very, very fun, and I loved it, and it was free, so that was helpful, although I guess I technically paid for it with my tuition, but let's not get into that at the moment, and I love running some phases of my life, not right now too much, I love working out some other phases of my life on a daily basis, of course I'm very incredibly unathletic, but... That said, another thing I asked for the holidays is resistance bands, and did I need these? No. I could have just as easily done body weights, but am I going to use these to motivate myself to actually work out instead of dreaming that I'm going to do body weight workouts? Absolutely. That said, if I watch one too many TikToks on my instagram reels and if i get too inspired by i don't know painters or photographers that's more likely i do enjoy photography but i'm not good at it by any means and if i were to say oh i want to buy a camera would that make sense not at all especially because some hobby items can get really expensive so like a paint set actually i have no idea how much that costs but at one point I have this friend who really loves painting and art, and she hadn't been doing any of that for a little while, or she hadn't been doing much of it while she was in school, and I was thinking of buying her this watercolor set at this paper source or something like that. Of course, it was at paper source or a similar shop, and so the cost of that set was, I think, around $30. If that's a starter set, then that's pretty expensive. Of course, I'm sure as the quality of the items go up, the price goes up as well, and Yes, while it's definitely meaningful to invest in that needle that you're absolutely going to use for your embroidering project, it's a bit wasteful if you're doing the same as a me who does not for the life of her like sewing. I have tried, I will try again because I really want to learn how to embroider, but I will not be going out of my way to invest in a whole kit of embroidery threads of a 100 colors and you know what i mean i'll just try out with a couple so testing the waters with a few items if you can borrow those items all the better because oftentimes chances are if your best friend is really into what's a what's another common hobby cooking they probably are willing to let you use their pan it's not like their pan is going to disappear if you use it they're great ways to get your foot in the door without actually investing first and figuring out if you will actually stick with it, if you actually enjoy that hobby. Similarly, another wannabe item is wannabe outfits, and I know this can be a little harsh. This, I mean, the frugal financial series is by nature going to be a little bit harsh because it's telling ourselves things that we don't want to hear. I guess wannabe outfits is the idea that there are certain outfits in our wardrobe that we want to, that we buy for the ideal versions of ourself, whether that is a dressier self, a cooler self, a tomboy self, a slimmer, fatter, thicker, whatever self. And I think over the years, I bet this stems from wearing uniforms every single day, but I went to school with uniforms, as you know, for 10 years, and so pretty much every single piece of clothing is a wannabe item because my identity is tied to wearing the same outfit every single day, so anything else I pick up, it's an experiment. So I guess in this sense, I'm very fortunate that my experimentation is my day-to-day life, but I do think that there are some items that I could pick out that are not really fitting with what I am, I think this is also common in workout gear, and it's very easy to say that if I have a cute outfit, I'll be forced to work out that either doesn't work or will make you incredibly miserable. And being miserable, I believe, is the opposite of what working out should be doing, which should be making you feel amazing or inspired or at least physically exhausted in a good way, if nothing else. So, I I hope that wannabe outfits don't make your life harder by weighing you down and cluttering your space and almost pushing you away from whatever ideal version of yourself you want to be. And also remember, you can get to being the person that you want to be first and then get the outfit later. I feel like that's a lesson that I kind of learned that was helpful in thinking that I can be this body type first and then get the outfit, you know, it doesn't matter. So that's my approach that I'm taking to this wannabe category. The fourth category is, it's a very, it's a little bit of a funny one, but this is a strategy that I've always had in terms of being frugal. So I, whenever I know, this is really silly, but the next component of this is actually really practical. So let's start with the silly one. Whenever I'm eating out at a fancy place and it's not at an event or anything like that and I know I'll have to pay for it for myself. I snack beforehand and this is because I'm a person who gets really hungry and I love eating and I eat a lot of most things. If I were to actually eat to my heart's content at a fancy place, I would be very hungry. Also I my stomach growls, it's very rude, it will interrupt anyone mid-sentence, it will ring across the room and it has happened so many times that I'm pretty much not ashamed of it anymore, it's just kind of funny. but. Usually if it's a fancy dinner, it's probably an important event of some kind or I'm trying to make a presentation or something like that. And do I really want my stomach to ring across the room before my voice does? Probably not. So I snack beforehand. I try to be really thoughtful about what I'm snacking on. So I would try to go for something, something filling but something light so that whatever else that comes sits well on it. It's a delicate process, y'all, but I try to snack on something if possible. If I am in a rush, I'll grab a snack bar and eat it on the way. Even if I'm not super hungry, this may not agree with most people's life strategies, probably, but that's just what I try to do. Or if I, even if it's like a free event and I know I'm not spending money for whatever it is that I'm going to, if I know that it's super important and I don't want to be distracted by the food because... Let me tell you, if there's an event with food and I don't need to pay for it, I'm going to be eating it all, no matter what the event is. So I try to snack ahead, even if I'm not paying, if it's an important event and I need to network, I just want to focus on that. I try to not go in an empty stomach so that I'm not preoccupied. This is such a me problem, but let me tell you the second component of this, which is probably more widely applicable, which is that for whenever you go grocery shopping... Do you go with a list? Well, I'm sure a lot of people do, especially if you're on this podcast right now. Do you go with an empty stomach? And I feel like people do this because oftentimes when you think of groceries, you're probably hungry. Because you're motivated to go because you're hungry. And that makes a lot of sense, so that's totally fair. And also, I do want to keep in mind that even though going grocery shopping on an empty stomach is frowned upon... I think that overall, it's probably better for your wallet, for the environment, and for your health if you do go grocery shopping and buy a few extra things, but buy everything else that you really need as well, rather than going to get takeout and then going grocery shopping the next day, or at least I think so financially, maybe not sustainability-wise necessarily, but, but let me tell you. So, I cannot go not only grocery shopping, but also clothing, shopping, any kind of shopping on an empty stomach, and I make it a rule that I have to eat before I go, or else I might get dizzy or something, that happens to me a lot just in general in life, related to being frugal, but also I might be more prone to picking up sugary items, fattier items, obviously because that's what my body is looking for, which is fine, but I want to get them in moderation because I don't want to have a lot of food that is really bad for me that I'm feeling like I need to consume and as you know I'm very into decluttering so food can fit into the same category if it feels like it's not something that I'm going to get through and that stresses me out and getting through them is really bad for my body too so I really want to be mindful of this empty stomach thing. Okay the last two items are also intertwined so that's the fifth category. Let's start with the first. So It's the what-if items, and this is a bit hard for me, so as you know, I've talked about this a couple times in this podcast, but basically, I am a hoarder of backup items, so it's not that I'm looking for any specific items, but I'll have backups of things, like a backup spoon, a backup deodorant, a backup hand sanitizer, which under current circumstances is probably a good thing, but there are some downsize to having backups and for this what really helps is the 2020 rule which is a rule that says if you can replace something in 20 minutes and they're 20 bucks then those things can go and while I don't believe in this fully I still sort of keep that in mind and remind myself that some people go by that rule and that I don't need to forever hang on to this deodorant that is maybe 10 years old maybe not literally but because I know that I will be moving in three or so months after I graduate from university and I will not be finding value in moving that to my next destination as much as I've moved them around many many times. It's also important for this category for me to keep in mind sunk cost. So sunk cost is the idea that whatever money you've already spent is not coming back whether or not you use that item. So I could make the argument that, oh, I should hold on to this iPad because I spent so much money on it, but if I'm not getting value out of the iPad, which my iPad I am, but that's just an example, then there's no point in holding on to that iPad that will not increase the value, so it's best if I just let go of that item. I keep those two things in mind, the 2020 rule and overall the sunk cost idea, and try not to if not let go of, pick up new what-if items, and I still have that system in me, I would think my shampoo bottle is half empty, I should, I'm in CVS right now, I should pick up this next one, but then I remind myself that I don't need that, it's not the end of the world if I don't have shampoo one day, I can always order it online or pick it up in person, I can always borrow from one of my housemates, there's so many ways that I can deal with that situation. Most things I've learned in life, I I would be okay without, I can survive without, except for, I think the bare minimums are maybe my phone and pads and food. I don't know why they came in that order, but yeah, that's just my immediate thought. Anyway, the thing is, building a backup system is very very helpful for this. So I've mentioned a couple of things that I would do if I ran out of shampoo, and having multi-purpose items is really helpful for this because, say you have a swiss knife, you might say that, oh, what if I lose my scissors? You can probably use your Swiss knife for most things that you would have done with that scissor, and you don't need the exact replacement. And also, I have started to look at these opportunities or these moments of losing some XYZ or running out of XYZ as an opportunity to see if I can eliminate that item, because I think that there are a lot of things that we assume in our day-to-day lives to be necessities that actually are not that urgently needed they're not so important that i have to have that exact thing i can replace it with something else for the most part like right now i have a couple of highlighters that i feel like i don't need and i'm trying to figure out if i can just replace them with coloring pencils because they kind of do the same things except coloring pencils don't smell toxic so those are kind of my thoughts surrounding that also For me, and I know, I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with this, but having an Amazon Prime account has been really, really reassuring and helpful for this decluttering process. I'm using a student deal right now, so it's technically not a subscription because I'm not paying anything. So I'm basically able to pick up pretty much anything in two days if I really, really urgently need it. And I probably won't. But the idea that I'm very easily able to replenish this item is very reassuring for me and that way I know that when I'm in CVS I don't need to pick up all my common CVS items like multivites, like shampoo, body wash, hand sanitizer. I don't need it because if I really need it I can so easily pick it up from Amazon even if I'm having the craziest day. So that's my backup system. For other people backup systems might be like housemates and you can borrow your housemates items. You could Also, have like a subscription service, or you could save it as an opportunity to try something new, like try a new shampoo type. I keep coming back to shampoo, I don't know why. Another backup item could be the fact that maybe you have a car and you can quickly drive to the store, or maybe you know a friend who could drive you there. Just thinking about how you would resolve that situation is really, really helpful in not picking up new what if items. So, let's move on to the sort of second part of this, which is updates that's something to cut back on because they're unnecessary and let me tell you what i'm talking about so this is any kind of update that people commonly talk about basically if you could think of a youtube headline and whatever xyz update you can think of those are probably unnecessary so like wardrobe updates games or dvds or cds those kind of entertainment items maybe even books devices updates stuff like that stationery notebooks any sort of material items that you think you need to update you probably don't because the idea of updating is that the old thing is fine it's perfectly functional it's that there's this newer flashier thing and you would like to be trendy but as we know trends come and go and who wears a choker in 2021 if you do fantastic because you're not doing it because it's a trend you're doing it because you like it okay that makes it sound like chokers look bad but that's not really my point it looks bad on me it just like does not sit straight how do those things sit straight on people's necks like i i can only support a necklace and that's it but <laughs> point being for updates in general these things are meant to, of course, support the businesses that are, that's a gentle way of putting it, you know, hand over your money to the businesses that want it, and, it's not really going to do much for you because then you need to a, spend time updating whatever that is. And generally when people update, they update the entire category I've noticed. So like if you are a person who updates your wardrobe, you're not just going to buy one single item probably. You're likely to buy multiple items, maybe the entire category. Maybe you're updating all your sweaters. That is really time wasteful for you. You need to figure out what to do with the old things and they're either going to clutter up your space or you're going to have to drive it somewhere, drop it off, figure out who's going to receive it, sell it, take the time to do that. So not updating your belongings in general is an incredibly helpful thing for your obviously environment, your day-to-day life, and for your wallet, particularly if it's a bigger ticket item like devices. I know that it was a big thing when I was growing up for people to purchase a new TV every so often. And I, I come from Japan, we do make pretty darn good TVs, but that is unnecessary, incredibly unnecessary, same goes for phones, obviously if any of these things bring you great joy, then you know, that's maybe worth it for you, but always remember that even if it's worth it for you, there's an environmental footprint, I mean, you know, do with it what you will, but, and I'm not in a position also to say that any of these things are inherently evil and therefore you cannot do this one thing, Period. But these are just easy things to eliminate and for when it comes to devices there is I mean in my eyes and I'm very amateur of course there is no grand difference between the iPhone I don't know 8 and iPhone 11 iPhone SE and the iPhone 6 am I saying the right models I don't even know but they kind of look the same to me more or less and apple watch 2 and the apple watch 3v or whatever v or x i would encourage you to not think of them as updates but rather as replacing an item that have been well loved that is time for them to take a quick nap and oh that's a morbid thought either way you know when you need to replace the old item with something new instead of thinking of it as sort of updating yourself because if you think of it as updating yourself, then you need to keep updating yourself. And you're not a piece of software, you don't need to keep updating yourself. I'm gonna stop there because that was a decent line that I think I can stop with. So thank you so much for tuning in today. I really hope you couldn't hear the train that just zooped past by. I really can't help that. I hope to live next in a place where I don't have train tracks right by me. Also, cause it's kind of sketchy. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Bye, minimal moves.